and welcome to Atzlan Report 2021. This is sponsored by Mexicanos 2070 and Partido Nacional de la Raza Unida, also known as La Raza Unida Party. It is also Cesar Chavez Day, March 31st, the day of his birth. I am honored and excited to participate in this presentation of Atzlan Report and continue the ongoing resurgent efforts of Chicanos uniting to establish a collaborative power base. My name is Donatzin Alfaro Maiz, y soy Chicana. I have been involved in the Chicano movement since the 1960s. In 1965 and forward, there were picket lines and boycotts that I participated in supporting Cesar Chavez's great boycotts. In March 1969, I attended the first Chicano Youth Liberation Conference at the Crusade for Justice held in Denver by Corky Gonzalez. In the fall of 1969, I started a high school chapter of Mayo, a Mexican-American youth organization, a civil rights organization that was formed in 1967 by Jose Angel Gutierrez and four others. A primary focus was education. They used school walkouts to achieve equality. I organized a walkout to obtain Chicano history materials at my high school and it was successful. In January 1970, La Razunida Party was founded. My father started a chapter in Michigan and I worked on those efforts. I supported the land grant struggle initiated by Reyes Lopez Tijerina in the 60s and 70s. Chicanismo, community activism, and seeking justice for our raza has permeated my personal life and my community life. It is a lifelong commitment. My involvement here is a continuation of that commitment. This presentation is aptly named the Atzlan Report. Atzlan carries a special significance to our identity. It is a recognition of our historical and ancestral connection to the land known as Atzlan. Historically, it has been described as parts of Northern Mexico and the Southwestern United States. Today, we use Atzlan to describe not only our indigenous homeland, but also where Chicanos and Raza reside now as indigenous people in the United States. The aim of the Atzlan Report is to sow and nurture the seeds of a national consciousness among La Raza. Today, members of several organizations will discuss the work that they are doing in support of Chicanismo and La Raza. The groups are of like mind and identify as Chicanos, Raza, and Indigenous. The collaborative efforts of these groups are all working toward the same goal raising consciousness among La Raza, fighting for justice, and building a power base. These efforts transcend personalization and focus on the goals, policies, and doctrines that are the foundation of building a power-based organization. The Atzlan Report essentially is a state of the union for La Chicanada, La Raza. The focus today is to let Raza know the work that is being done in support of and on behalf of La Raza. It is to get out the word that there are other people of like mind who are also fighting and working for indigenous Raza. They are not alone. 
Today, we have speakers from several groups. They are the Partido Nacional de la Raza Unida, as I stated before, La Raza Unida Party. That is a national organization. La Mesa Brown Berets, they are in California. The Mexicanos 2070, it's a national organization. Central Community Service Organization, Freedom Road Socialist Organization in California. Union del Barrio in California. Hollywood Neighborhood Association in Tucson, Arizona. And Servicios de la Raza from Colorado. Each of our speakers and presenters will describe their organization and the work they are involved in. We also have two outstanding poets, Matt Cedillo and Vanessa Masson. You can learn more about our speakers and their work or, and organization in their bios, which are posted on the website. So let's begin. Our first speakers are members of the Partido Nacional de la Raza Unida. They are Vanessa Bustamante from South, Southern California and Maria Zavala Paredes, who resides in Michigan. Both of these women have outstanding, both of these Chicanas have outstanding resumes of Chicana activism. Their work for advancement and unification of La Raza is to be lauded. We'll begin with Vanessa. Muchas gracias. Y buenas tardes, Raza. We're excited to be here with you today to share a little bit about La Raza Unida Party. Uh, to start us off, my name is Vanessa Bustamante, and I'm excited to share a brief history with you about El Partido de La Raza Unida. Next. First and foremost, El Partido de La Raza Unida is guided by Chicano revolutionary nationalism. Our line as scientific socialists is that we strive for the creation of a liberated socialist indigenous plural, plural national homeland in the area of highest historic and current raza populations, the proximal US-Mexico borderlands. Historically, La Raza Unida Party has worked with other indigenous nations to protest and educate the long history of broken treaties by the gobierno gringo, the United States. We can only gain our liberation through multinational struggle with African, indigenous, and Asian colonized people dealing with the genocidal daily reality inside the imperial capitalist belly of the USA and at outside internationally. Next, please. So some quick facts about us, El Partido de la Raza Unida. We started off in 1969, November 22nd. The first meeting was held in Oakland in Berkeley. Um, and then we established in January 17th of 1970, and we became prominent throughout the nation. We started to co combat the growing inequality and dissatisfaction with the Democratic Party that was typically supported by our Raza voters. La Raza Unida is a Chicano Raza response to our people having no political power. La Raza Unida spread like wildfire in the 1970 and chapters sprung up all over Aslan. We're excited that we're on this journey to again bring back El Partido stronger and better than ever. Next, please. A little bit about El Movimiento. As I mentioned, we're guided by Chicano revolutionary nationalism. 
We came to understand that we could only solve the issues affecting our people if we have complete power over our lives as a people and a nation, which is our quest for self-determination. The only way we could get to that point is by having a political party whose purpose is to fight for the interests of the mass of La Raza whom are working people. La Raza Unida has continually been a central organizing group for community events such as the annual Chicano Moratorium, Fiesta en el Barrio, and other community organizations and youth education seminars. Here we are 50 years later, El Partido Nacional de la Raza Unida, continuing to organize and build for the liberation of our people and land. I'm gonna go ahead and pass it over to my compañera Maria for the next couple of slides. Gracias, Vanessa. Um, buenas noches, Raza. Uh, es, estoy aquí desde uh, Decatur, Michigan. Me llamo María Zavala Paredes. Um, and I'm going to lead you through uh, some more really interesting data of La Raza Unida. <coughs> so uh, La Raza Unida um, has actually thrived during the pandemic. Um, we have developed uh, various uh, things uh, such as podcasts, Pláticas con el Pueblo, um, we've been rebuilding across the nation um, and establishing a central committee. And we're going to take a look real quick at what we've done with the study group. We've established a study group, uh, weekly study groups. Uh, the purpose of the study groups are to elevate the consciousness of our raza because we know that um, shared learning is rarely found in public schools whose main function is aimed at punishing raza on other indigenous nations and Afro-descendant working class uh, students. Um, the purpose, again, like I said, is to elevate the consciousness of our raza. Um, we uh, source knowledge through reading. Uh, we study printed text. We share, discuss, and critically analyze life experiences um, and historical documents. Um, the study groups also help to build relationships. Um, we foster relationships with each other uh, and create uh, partnerships um, and build deeper ties to one another. We meet every Wednesday night at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, via Zoom, and you can always join at www.rasaunidaparty.org. Um, another thing that has arisen from uh, during the pandemic is we started a podcast in the month of August. Um, its goal is to discuss and spread awareness and knowledge about issues and events occurring in the Chicano community. Um, our first uh, guest was Don Genaro Ayala, who spoke about his experiences with La Raza Unida over the last 50 years, uh, at which time we also discussed the com commemoration of the 50th Chicano Moratorium. Um, it continues to evolve. It is focused on educating the community on terminology organizing and activism and the importance behind knowledge circles in our community, uh, much like our weekly study group. Um, it offers information um, to meet the needs, oops, sorry, to meet the needs of those in our community. We welcome anybody who would want to join. If you are interested in joining, um, you can do so through our Facebook account, um, www.facebook.com backslash Raza Unida Party. Another great thing that has happened is we are, um, we've launched Platicas con el Pueblo. They're month monthly 
consultations and education with the Pueblo, general population of Chicano, Chicana peoples streamed over Facebook Live with pre-written frequently asked questions and live submissions. We started this back in February of 2021. Our first platica focused on the historic history and legacy of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. Um, also in March, we uh, had a platica uh, to address International Women's Day um, and the Chicanas in La Raza Unida Party. Uh, if you want to join us for our platicas, you can also go to our Facebook page, um, facebook.com backslash Raza Unida Party. El Sembrador. El Sembrador was officially founded in 1973 as La Misión uh, when La Raza Unida chapters from San Fernando, San Francisco, Francisco Redlands, Fresno, Downey, Orange County, and La Puente uh, were fully functioning um, and we have repurposed it as El, El Sembrador. It is to serve as the informational organ on what the partido is doing in our uh, organizing. The Sembrador, as its name indicates, serves as the uh, campesinos, um, sorry, can't see real, real quick, oops, the planting seeds of liberation wherever they go. So this publication can be found also on our website and our um, uh, internet page, and you can download it and print it. So it's an electronic version, but you can also print it. We have also uh, reestablished the Central, Central Committee. The Central Committee's uh, purpose is to uh, direct organizing and membership activities for the party. The Central Committee has representatives from five states, California, Arizona, Texas, Oregon, and Michigan. Um, the pro temp uh, Central Committee is composed of Genaro Ernesto Ayala from Pacoima. Uh, he is the chair. Uh, Vanessa Bustamante is the vice chair. She is from uh, SFV, California. Uh, and again, these are pro temp positions. Amado Guzman from SGV, California. He's the treasurer. Ernesto Tamireles uh, from Prescott, Arizona. He is the secretary. Uh, Genaro Ayala, Carlos Hernandez, Miguel Moreno, Estela Cermeño Ayala, and Maria Luisa Zavala Paredes um, are also members of the Central Committee. One of the biggest events that we're looking forward to here pretty soon is uh, the, we are going to be, we're or currently organizing El Congreso de Aslan. Uh, we will be meeting the weekend of September 17th and 18th. Uh, the main order of business at the Congreso will be the expansion of ideology, the five-year plan, uh, nominations for party positions, positions such as the election of the Central Committee Chair and other party officials. This event is only open to credential members of La Raza Unida Party. Um, and if you want to become a member of La Raza Unida Party, the first step is in, in doing so is to join the um, join and participate in La Raza Unida study groups. And um, that is our report for today. And it was a pleasure um, coming here and offering this to you. Um, I turn it over to uh, Tonatine. Thank you, Maria and Vanessa. Um, our next speaker is Rafael Avitia. 
He is co-chair of La Mesa Nacional de Brown Berets and resides in California. He is a teacher, a leader, and as described in his bio, he has an outstanding resume of Chicano activism for decades. Rafael. Muchas gracias, Tonacin, and welcome everybody. Uh, my report for the Aslan uh, report today includes this. La Mesa is a network of Brown Bray chapters from throughout the United States who first came together in the Unity March in East Los Angeles in 2018 in anticipation of returning in 2020 to mark the 50-year anniversary of the Chicano Moratorium. The following year, we met in Houston, Texas, and there, that's where we agreed to continue our efforts, stay united, and work at a national level. In Houston, we also agreed to two of the following points. One, to maintain our militant activism, including armed self-defense. And number two, we agreed to put our petty differences aside and work in a professional and intelligent manner so that we could spend more of our energy on serving the communities in which we live. For example, between 2018 and 2020, La Mesa helped several chapters by providing legal advice they could share with their own communities, education regarding our Chicana, Chicano history, resources including technological and self-defense training, mediation between respective leaders in separate states who might have differences, and at a national effort, we joined with several Black leaders and communities to address attacks on vendors going back as a year and a half ago. In the summer of 2020, though, during a historic pandemic and a national protest against police brutality, we learned that the 50th Chicano Moratorium March in East Los Angeles will probably be canceled. This was an event many of our people were looking forward to, especially our youth. Our youth are hungry and they want something. They, they, they are screaming for something. And this was one of those things. It was a chance for, the, for us to be heard. And so when this came up, I reached out to four people, Lupe Carrasco Cardona, Ernesto Ayala, Carlos Montes, and Marisol Marquez, who agreed that we should march and commemorate this historic event. It was those four who made it possible for hundreds of Brown Berets and our allies from states as far as Minnesota, Illinois, Wisconsin, Texas, Oregon, Colorado, and even Georgia to come together as one and fulfill our promise to serve the community on that historic date. In addition, La Mesa has been instrumental in supporting artists, poets, and writers, some of which performed there on that date. Uh, and most of them with this revolutionary fervor because we feel that we need to fight the fight, not just on the streets, but also with our artists, our writers, you name it, we need them. Um, La Mesa therefore has also started promoting a stronger political role for our raza, emphasizing our electoral power as an untapped and ready to use if we as raza are gonna succeed. And thus we do support La Raza Unida Party. Thus La Mesa was officially launched on August 29th, 2020 where after three years and a global pandemic, many young Brown Berets from throughout the country, in defiance of politicians and in uh, defiance of law enforcement, we provided security and logistic support for thousands who marched on that historic day for honoring the 50th Chicano Moratorium. The most important accomplishment I can note from La Mesa was that we have seen a reawakening from many of those same young people who now attribute their participation in the Chicano Moratorium in Los Angeles in August 
Several of them cited this event as a turning point in their own lives. Many returned to their homes with this new sense of pride and ready to organize in their own communities. And although we're still, there's still much work to be done, including struggles that threaten to divide the Chicano-Chicana community, La Mesa will continue to stay disciplined, to stay focused, and to stay in those communities, helping organize our communities as best possible. Gracias. Michigatewi. Thank you, Rafael. Our next speakers are from Mexicanos 2070, the sponsor organization of Atlan Report. We have Scott Duncan Russell Fernandez, a self-described indigenous Chicano Anglo. He's a renowned author and senior editor for the Latino Literary Magazine and resides in California. We also have Ernesto Todd Mireles, a fierce advocate for Chicanos who has been organizing for years. I guess I should add film uh, director at this point too. He resides in Arizona. I think I will uh, hand it over to Scott. Hi, I'm Scott Duncan Fernandez, a member of Michicanos 2070, a think collective dedicated to reclaiming and protecting Mexican-American culture, history, and tradition. Michicanos 2070 formed in response to the blueprint, uh, the blueprint drafted by Armando Rendon as a discussion paper released in 2019, which reflected the need for Mexican-Americans to address unresolved issues of the past 50 years, confront new concerns of today, and employ new strategies to deal with the evolving changes over the next 50 years. The blueprint identifies six concerns, broad areas of societal impact on the Mexican-American community that only we can address and resolve because no one else will do it for us. They are preserving our identity as an indigenous Hispanic people, forging, forming alliances with other native tribes under the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, forging alliances with the indigenous peoples in the Americas, Chicanismo as a worldview, educational opportunity and innovation, and Chicano literature and the arts. In November 2019, we held an informal meeting of educators, scholars, social workers, activists, and writers in San Antonio, Texas at the Instituto Catarata, Mexico, at the invita invitation of the Mexican Consul. Year one of the Mexicanos 2070 group officially began on February 2nd, 2020, when we launched a 50-year cycle of renewal to build for the future that is imagined in our name. The nationwide online launch presented the driving principles behind our group's formation and the necessity for our community's engagement in these issues. In April, we began a series of webinars to draw attention to our community's issues with the goal of informing and bringing groups together. Topics have included the Berceau program, the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, historic Chicano radio, how Chicanos have borne the brunt of COVID-19, reparations for Chicanos deported to Mexico, the Night of Iguala and International Women's Day. In these webinars and Mexicanos 2070's discussions, we saw that many of our problems come down to the education system and the lack of a Chicano-focused knowledge. I myself never left, nearly left college for good as I majored in English and asked one simple question. Why are there no indigenous or Chicano writers in our reading list? Sneering professors normally open to notions let me know that Sunny's Blues by the Black author James Baldwin was enough. A wonderful short story, but not a Chicano story. It was only by going to the library and reading books such as the Chicano Manifesto and Occupied America that kept me in school. But I knew the system saw me and my people as lesser. It would never give me or anyone like me what we needed. 
Today, Chicano students are still in dire need to know our history, to understand our cultura in an education system that has failed us for centuries. Our solution, launched in September 2020, is the Colegio Chicano del Pueblo, a free online post-secondary program. The chairperson of Michicano's 2070, Dr. Ernesto Todd Morales, will tell us about the formation and the goals of the Colegio. Greetings, everyone. My name is Dr. Ernesto Morales, and today I'm speaking to you as a board member of Mexicanos 2070. In addition to organizing the Aslan Report with La Raza Unida and the Brown Berets, I wanted to take this opportunity to talk about the Colegio Chicano del Pueblo. Colegio Chicano del Pueblo is a free online Chicano Studies College launched on September 16th, 2020, by myself and Dr. Jerry Garcia as a product, as a project of Mexicanos 2070. The idea for the Colegio began in the fall of 2019 and originally was envisioned as a series of community organizing strategy workshops that members of Mexicanos 2070 would offer across Aslan and the diaspora. However, by May of 2020, it became clear that in-person workshops were not going to happen in the fall of that year. Myself and Dr. Garcia then moved the concept to online course offerings that community members could take asynchronously. As the idea of CCP began to develop, we approached Prescott College in Prescott, Arizona, and were able, working with the administration of that wonderful school, to create a pathway to college credit for those interested. In the time since the Colegio was launched on September 16, 2020, we have gone from two courses being offered to expanding on January 10th, 2021, to six courses that were meeting with or in person with volunteer Chicano Studies professors. We have established a website at colegiochicano.com, created a semester schedule that features five eight-week blocks for courses, and have committed to a curriculum of 15 courses by May 1st and 30 courses by December of this year. The Colegio Chicano is not the first Chicano college, but it is the first online Chicano college. And there are no entrance exams required. No high school graduation is not a requirement. The only requirement is a desire to learn about your raza, our history, and our political destiny. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ernesto. A lot to take in so far. We're going to now shift to our artists. Our first artist and poet is Matt Celio. Now, Matt has been described as the best political poet in America. He has numerous publications and has performed at numerous forums. Currently, he is the literary director at the DA Center for the Arts in Pomona, California. Matt? Let's get right into it. Some are born in summer homes and palatial groves where pain was only to unfold from the pages of secret gardens read from groves, but not I. See, I come from the stock of starry astronauts, beneath the night sky with big dreams and wide eyes always running down the devil's highway through occupied America, all the way back to some Mango Street and all the books he wants to read. Raised a handball off the back wall of a panaderia born east of the river post Mendez versus Westminster, one generation with the red lines and diplomas that were signed that those dreams and that skin need not apply, see, I come from struggle. And if my story offends you, it is only because you made the mistake 
of seeking your reflection in my self-portrait. See this, what's going to be about you? Because someone born of the common core, reflected faces grace the pages of doctrines discovered and ages to be explored. World world hardships crashed against new shores, New England, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, for others pushed off Turtle Island, Aslan, do not call this brown skin immigrant. Child of the sun, son of the conquest, Mexicano blood, running through the veins east side of Los Angeles, do not tell him your native tongue and song will best be sung, do not tell me who I am. Because I was rich like you. Miseducated in some of those very same schools of lessons and legends of honest engines and Christian pilgrims and a nation of immigrants all united in freedom. This isn't until they pull aside my white friend, pointed directly at me and said, Scott, I judge you by the company you keep and you spend your time with this. The same old story, 1846. The adventures of Uncle Sam, the stick-up man, a wetback. Show me your papers, now give me your labor, the melting pot. It's never made for the hands to clean it. The American dream has always come at the expense of those who tucked it in. You don't know that, because you don't teach it. Could write you a book, but you won't read it, so you know what this is about you. And 1492, in the Trinity of Wild in California missions and Arizona schools, these racists that try to race us as we are kids in cities that bear our names, you're gonna learn something today from Ferdinand to Minuteman, from Arpaio to Alamo, from Boba Wood, so I came the Indian, this lives in me from many of the states try to bury us, they didn't know we were seeds, Canadian minds, they don't strike the Bandela, Mr. Potter, Joaquin Mureta, that's Adelitas, Brown Beresi, Zapatistas, Richard Nixon, third Napoleon, from Peckinpah to Houston, from Mozart Republic to Christopher Columbus, all the way down to Donald Trump, we didn't cross the borders. The borders crossed us. Who you calling immigrant? Pilgrim. There's another one from this book here. Mowing Leaves of Grass, the title poem. Here we go. I'm the Asian vengeance of Viro Valdez, the best laid plans, Modesta, the reckoning of Santa Cruz, San Isidro, Bisbee, Chandler, Port Veneer, the blood, sweat, and tears of all that I refuse to forget. I'm that unpaid debt. No sidekick, no subplot, no mascot, no ethnic study, the universe I embody, the ground above me, the sky beneath my feet. Marshallless guys, Las Reyes, the circular's calendar, sleepy and scarcely vetter, past past, the future, and the present. In like edge, all at once, the moment I'm here, you are me, and we. Our two clenched fists that still lit fire, sacred kept, the final breath called last fighting Aztec, laughing in the face of death, the blade of El Pachuco guarding the temple steps, the strength of memory, the promise of tomorrow. You soy Chicano, y Chicano soy, donde lleves, el Chicano boy, they want you to think it's important. Critical to your rehabilitation for the way in which you enter this world. Read Thomas Jefferson as you get pregnant. Standards and practices. Curriculum and instruction, you the product of a public education. Do not interrupt. We be the cough face first to pavement like your father, your grandfather, your mother, your nina, your theos, you learn your lessons, it's not personal. It's all you people. So don't get mad. Don't be hurt. Don't make this political. It's economic. Objective. The law of self-interest, we let you in, we'll become of the canon, the classics, Alexander, Napoleon, who will shelve the wit and wisdom of Ben Franklin, Shelley, Shakespeare, Chaucer, Walt Whitman, from the Palmanic starting was miserable, inefficient Mexico to the grand mission, the new world, the noble race you fought, you lost. You don't get to find this. It's not racism, it's providence, progress, God willing, you filthy mongrels, it is just the way it is. Look at you. I don't see color. I see labor. I see cops and robbers, guards and convicts, institutions, corrections, schools, local prisons, caged departments where the cost of living, the cost of being brown is high as waste, theft, and the rent. Forget your savage tongue, old teachers will bust. American love, spoon feed you, speaks freedom of speech. So take a joke and speak to authority. I'll show you who you are in a book. You'll believe it because you read it and now I said it. And who are you to question the can, the classics, Lowry, Kerouac, walk out on the great white brilliance of Garfield, Roosevelt, Lincoln. Now listen because it's important in the universe. 
is a muralist. The cosmos, our self-portrait. Sara Curandera, Aranzante, a poet laureate, a stylist, a mechanic, the barrio dandy cruising the rings of Saturn's the travel tips of Torres, Carrasco, Chandler Kern and Union Station, Joaquin, return to your hump at marching the walls of Tucson, mowing down leaves of grass, forget what women's are, Labode, dedication, Frida, Selena, Cantiflas, Luis Rodriguez, Valdez, Juana, Sandra, Anzadu, the mighty Quinn to all that we are and all that we've been through, type times and timelines, galaxies, and dimensions of pride, pain and resistance and gothic, or the solar showers, the days of living music when the people of the sun were dancing, the tune of Valenzuela, la Luna, was the calaveras, the ancestors welcoming the future of the circular calendar. I'm you, you are me, sitting at a desk, looking at the stars, searching for the end till poem never began. It always was, and forever shall be. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Matt. That was outstanding and inspiring, and I want to Thank you again for sharing that with this powerful and emotional. And I think you're cap capturing it all, resiste. And that's what we're doing here, we're the resisting complacency. Our next speaker is Marisol Marquez with Central Community Service Organization and Freedom Road Socialist Organization. She has been a lifelong advocate for Chicana self-determination and liberation of all oppressed people. Her work covers many areas, including police brutality. Marisol. Thank you so much, Tonancin. And I'm actually gonna do a share screen so that we can um, get this rolling if that's okay. Alrighty. All right, there we go. Thank you so much. So I have prepared a little thing here. Buenas tardes a todos y a todas. My name is Marisol Marquez, and it's a pleasure to be included in this year's Aslan Report 2021. I live in Boyle Heights and have been organizing for Chicano self-determination here for close to six years now with a working class group called Centro CSO. The current Chicano movement for liberation, as you know, is growing. We build momentum every year that we build uh, for the commemoration of the Chicano moratorium. We did so last year. I know Rafa already spoke about it. Uh, and a large portion of us, despite the pandemic, marched through the streets of Islos. We took to Whittier Boulevard, which was traditionally done on 1970. The Brown Berets provided some of the best security that I have ever seen. And Rafa was a, a big, big part of that. We chanted Chicano power and they echoed through the streets. We waved our Aslan flags as you, as you see in this picture. And we spoke about our queerness, our oppression, our orgullo, and our need to continue fighting for our freedom as Chicanos. Together we chanted, Viva la raza, and que viva Aslan. But what is Aslan? It's our Chicano nation. Within it, of course, exist many other people, including American Indians and many other nationalities of people. But it is the land that we were cornered into by our oppressors, our rulers. Others have said it before, but it all began on February 6th, 1848. Now we have developed into a nation that's inhabited with over 40 million people like us. What makes us a nation is the fact that we have a shared and common history, a common language of Calo, common culture, a common economy, and a common land. We have many roots, Mexican, American, Indian, Central American, and the list goes on. After all, we're shaped by this oppression and these five characteristics that I mentioned. In 2016, Boyle Heights saw an absurd amount of police killings. 
seven in under one year, and many more survived these, these shootings. That's one shooting almost in this Chicano neighborhood of mine, Boyle Heights, almost every single month. We were not even done burying someone when they had killed someone new. I wanna uplift their names. 16-year-old Jose Mendez, Omar Gonzalez, 14-year-old Jesse Romero, Arturo Valdez, Robert Diaz, Fred Barragan, and Carlos Gonzalez. Thrown into this work, as many of, uh, uh, it was a matter of survival for many of us. We have united with our black sisters and brothers to luchar for our justicia. We know how to show solidarity and we have been learning valuable lessons. We are having children like I just did last year <laughs> and we are teaching them the importance of pride and for fighting for our self-determination. We recognize the roots of Aslan and we pay them homage whenever we have events. We did so at the 50th and we are showing solidarity now to our American Indian sisters and brothers, our Filipino and Asian siblings who have been under attack by racist and sexist vigilantes. And we're uniting with our Puerto Rican brothers and sisters who are demanding liberation instead of statehood. The police killings are continuing today. And even during the pandemic, we are pushing pack, but they are still killing us. On March 14th, this is the image of David Ortaz. He was killed in East LA. And on April 17th, we will be fighting back for David Sullivan. His name might be Anglo, but he was a proud Chicano. Join us if you can. As you've heard, we Chicanos are ready and building our political parties. We're apparently doing our own colleges, which is amazing. And we're continuing our fight for self-determination. Some of us, like myself, want revolution. Lenin said it before, but when people are sick and tired of being ruled in the old way, when they can no longer rule us in the old way, once we've seized the tools of our oppression, like the tanks and the helicopters, then, oh, and then when we have a party, you know, like our, our, our political revolutionary parties, that's when we're ready for a revolution. That's when we're ready. It's time to stand up, Rasa, and it's time to fight back. I'm a member of Freedom Road Socialist Organization, and we actually have a toolkit on our website, and it'll help you uh, build up this movement in your own home. You can go to frso.org forward slash join, and we will quickly get back to you. Thank you again for, for being on this amazing report back with all of you. Que viva la raza y que viva Aslan. Thank you, Marisol. As I stated before, the bios of all the speakers are um, on the website and you can see, read about them at that point. Our next speaker is Guadalupe Carrasco Cardona. She is with Union del Barrio, an association of Rasta educators. She is an educator that has taught in California, in Texas, in Arizona. She currently resides in Southern California. Guadalupe. Gracias, Tonatzin, for, for um, introducing me. And thank you, Mexicanos 2070, for having me on this Aslan report. I feel um, really just blessed tonight to be able to have the opportunity to speak amongst all of the folks that just spoke um, currently. And um, and I just, you know, I'm here right now as um, Guadalupe Carrasco Cardona representing some of the work that I've been involved in. Um, but I'm also here um, representing some of the organizations, um, namely Union del Barrio, which is um, here in Califas, um, San Diego and Los Angeles. I'm a member here in Los Angeles. I'm also the chair of the Association of um, Raza Educators Los Angeles, and I've been active um, in this organization for about six years as well. Um, and then um, 
you know, also with uh, Ethnic Studies Now, Rasa Studies Now, and now the Liberated Ethnic Studies Model Curriculum Coalition. And so I have been an educator for 21 years. I've taught in, um, in here in Los Angeles, I've taught in, in um, the Fresno um, area, and I've taught in, um, in El Paso, Chuco, Texas. And I've also taught in, um, in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm very proud um, that I have the experience and I've met these beautiful Rasa youth and, um, and other youth of color throughout um, you know, the US Southwest um, and so I'm going to share a little bit about some of the battle for, for ethnic studies here in Los Angeles, okay? Um, it's, it's, it's been a, um, give me a second. Ah. It's been a it's been a, um, a a beautiful battle for ethnic studies, right? Um, it's a it's a fifty or some would even say a five hundred year um, battle for ethnic studies for um, uh, our people for um, for us to be able to see ourselves in our curriculum, right? And so um, what I'm going to share a little bit is is here in Los Angeles the resurgence, right? The resurgence of what happened in the in the most recent political um, um, context. So we all know what happened in, in Tucson, right? There was the um, in Arizona, there was the fascist um, uh, backlash to a very successful Raza Studies program there. And so here in Los Angeles, um, many people got together, um, many of whom are part of the organizations that I mentioned before and others as well. And one of, um, one of the things that, that came from that is this idea of um, uh, ensuring that we create two, three, many, many Tucson's, right? That came from Javier San Roman riffing on Che Guevara. Um, we wanted to ensure that here in, in, in Califas that, that that we would no longer have to be on the defense as Raza studies, um, Mexican American studies in Tucson was. We, we wanted to ensure that we, we um, protected what we have been doing, but hadn't been doing um, as, as a, um, as a like a requirement, right? It was like school by school, um, site to site. There were sometimes people teaching, you know, Chicana, Chicano studies or um, black studies, Asian American studies, Native American studies. And we wanted to really be a part of ensuring that all the youth, right? The Raza youth, the youth of color all got to see themselves in the curriculum. And so um, what I have here on this slide is just some examples of, um, you know, uh, Jose Lara, right? A comrade who, who got onto the school board in Pico Rivera and helped passed the first resolution. So this was at a site level, right? Passing a resolution to make ethnic studies a requirement there. Um, there was backlash, um, but, but nonetheless, it started a whole other re resurgence, right? A whole new movement. I don't wanna say that it started the movement because we know for 50 years here and for 500 years, we've been fighting for our books, for our stories, for, um, to center our voices in, um, in the curriculum. And so um, essentially what happened was um, we really got really good at our political strategies, right? Um, Union del Barrio started a campaign to get folks on school boards. Now we have, we have um, Raza on school boards across the state of California. Um, it was a, a perfect timing, right? The, um, the, it was election time, so we got them on the board. It eventually led to a graduation requirement in Pico Rivera, then LAUSD, and all over the state of California, right? Um, and we know that, that um, ethnic studies is important because it promotes self-pride, it, it combats self-hate, it's for critical thinking. All of the studies that we know um, have shown us that ethnic studies, raza studies is good for our gente, it's good for everyone, right? 
um, and it, it increases graduation rates, even test scores, which we're not really even concerned with, right? So when when um, when you feel feel um, that they see themselves in the curriculum, when they when they um, when they see themselves, when they feel that pride in themselves, they do better in everything, right? So what were some of the demands, right? We wanted culturally relevant education. We wanted to see the contributions of people of color in the curriculum. We wanted more teachers of color. We wanted to uh, promote pride in one's culture. And we and this is important. This right here element is important, which I'm going to get into. Right? Uh, we wanted to ensure that that we centered our voices. Nothing about us without us is for us, right? And so this is what we constantly see. Um, this is what we're seeing now is um, people who are not Rasa trying to tell us what Rasa studies is. People who are not of color trying to tell us what um, what ethnic studies is. And um, and that's something that we need to keep um, central to all of our. You know, if we're if we're fighting to get um, resolutions passed, if we're fighting to to create courses, is to remember that we must center the voices of people of color and Native people. Um, and so um, some of our strategies, you know, we came up with it with game plans, building coalitions of supporters, creating a website, doing online petitions, letters of support, doing press conferences, memes, right? Especially now with social media, Instagram, a huge meme campaign. Um, and then of course, meeting with school board members, becoming school board members. And so here's a couple of examples of, of memes. I mean, like these are just a few of many memes that were um, launched and spread throughout the, um, the state of California and beyond. Right to really get the word out um, that that you know ethnic studies now, Rasa studies now, um, the Association of Rasa Educators Union de Barrio that we were all really pushing for these ethnic studies resolutions to get passed, and eventually for a, 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 a state graduation requirement to be passed. Um, so something remember we need to remember the the Plan de Santa Barbara, right? Um, and then now we're working on the Plan de Los Angeles is really about student and community participation, right? We need to make sure that we bring the the people into the movement. We can't just be like out there trying to lead these as just the educators, right? So we have to make sure that we get youth to meet with board members. We need to make sure to mobilize um, to mobilize their, their student members and for them to create posters, for them to be out there mobilizing, for them to be out there, um, you know, preparing for direct action, for them to be making the shirts, for them to be, um, you know, out there the face because it's it's them that we um, that we are doing this for, right? And so, and then we, our organizations, need to make sure to back up those students. Um, so these are all just sort of pictures of different, um, you know, ways that Union del Barrio and Ethics Studies Now really, you know, helped push this for the youth, right? Getting the youth, getting the community into um, school boards, right? And then eventually succeeding at passing resolutions, right? These are some of the, um, the resolutions throughout the state of California. Um, uh, right here, I have the Association of Raza Educators. Um, Please take a screenshot of this. These are some ways that you can get involved. Um, you can also um, go onto the website, the Mexicanos 2070 website, where all of our contact information is going to be. We have some Praxis Institutes where, where teachers and and, te and folks who want to become teachers can get involved with learning how to do this work, how to do the organizing with the teaching. We have statewide conferences. We have general meetings. Um, so we also have um, now. I really, before I get off, I really want to talk about the Liberated Ethnic Studies Model Curriculum Coalition. Once again, the information is going to be on there. Um, this picture right here shows people of color, teachers of color, who came together for the state of California to create an ethnic studies model curriculum. Right here, you can see no people of color, Zionists, who got a seat at the table with the superintendent of public instruction and were able to water down and, and uh, make it just like completely um, uh, 
a different curriculum, um, not an ethnic studies curriculum, essentially a, um, a, a watered down multicultural studies curriculum. And so because of that, we formed the Liberated Ethnic Studies Model Curriculum Coalition. These are all pictures of people in our coalition who are creating curriculum that is actually ethnic studies curriculum, not watered down, um, you know, multicultural studies. So just real quickly before I get off, what now? All of you out there, and we heard right now from, from La Raza Unida, we heard about uh, Colegio Chicano del Pueblo, teach Chicana and Chicano studies everywhere. Uh, whether it's in the schools, whether it's outside of schools, do it, do it, do it, and do it a lot. We need to push a pipeline. We need to get um, youth from high school to higher education to classroom, learning and teaching ethnic studies. We need to always include the community and familia voices in Chicana Chicano studies. If we don't have the, the community in there, if we don't have the familias in there, then we're not, we're not doing what ethnic studies, what Chicana Chicano studies was meant to do. Um, stay in solidarity with other ethnic groups, especially Palestinians who have common issues to Chicana Chicanos, but have, um, have been the most attacked um, in the ethnic studies movement in California. Hold those elected officials um, accountable to real ethnic studies. Don't pull a, um, don't allow Luis Alejo or Jose Medina and folks like that to get away with what they do um, by turning their backs on what actual ethnic studies is. Get involved in your district at all levels. Create your own liberation schools. Unión del Barrio has Escuela Aslan for the youth and Colegio del Pueblo for, for the adults. Um, if you're an educator, get involved with your teacher unions and other organizations. Keep the legacies alive. Agree to disagree um, with other, other brown folks, but don't, don't, do, don't throw each other under the bus. Like we need to be there to uplift one another. We can only do this together. And that is, that's my final message um, for you all this evening. If you um, wanna get a hold of me to get involved in any of that work, to get information, this is my contact information, but Mexicanos2070 is also gonna have it on their website as well. Thank you. I, I apologize for going a little over time. And now back to Tomatzin. So thank you so much, Lupe. That was a lot of information. I hope people took some screenshots that they're ready to participate, to keep on learning about our Chicano history, our studies, and doing what we can, because it is on us to do that. As Lupe was saying, you know, we've been battling for this for over 500 years. It's on us. Rely on the system to do it. Thank you. So now we have um, Patrick Valencia McKenna with Barrio Hollywood Association in Tucson, Arizona. <clears throat> now, Patrick is an indigenous Yaqui. He has spent his life in and surrounded by community activism. Most recently, he was working on the redistricting is issues in Tucson as it impacted Rasa. Patrick? Thank you so much. Um, can you hear me and see me okay? I wanted to uh, thank Mexicanos 2070 and uh, Partido Nacional de la Raza Unida for uh, inviting me today to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in our little corner of Aslan here, Tucson Aslan, uh, which is the traditional uh, land of the Tonawatan people who have been the caretakers of this, of this place we call Tucson for thousands of years. And uh, we're not going to go that, back that far. But uh, I wanted to tell you just a little bit about the history of the West Side Barrios here. Uh, the West Side Barrios in Tucson have a long history of working in solidarity together and working on local issues that impact uh, our barrios. 
uh, back in the late 60s, uh, Barrio Hollywood and Barrio Sovaco, which is also known as El Rio neighborhood, organized uh, around getting a park for our community. There was a beautiful green patch of heaven, um, as it was described by one of our elders, uh, which is called the El Rio Golf Course, right in the middle of the barrios, but there was no park for us. And so the neighborhoods worked together uh, and organized and let the community know that we were going to demand a park. This is back in the late 60s. And by 1970, uh, the demands of the people here were falling on deaf ears of the mayor and council. So they actually went and took over the golf course. They peacefully occupied the golf course in an act of civil disobedience to bring attention to the cause that the people that lived here uh, were tired of our, of our kids having to play soccer and baseball and dirt lots. And we really, as taxpayers and property and sales taxpayers in the city of Tucson, we felt our barrios were being neglected. And really, uh, this happened before I was even born. So, but 1970 uh, was the beginning of the struggle uh, to get a park here in Tucson. So the, the long struggle of the, of the barrios on the west side ended up um, in a number of big wins for the community. Uh, we were able to secure ourselves a park and a neighborhood center. And uh, the park was named Joaquin Murieta Park at the direction of the community here. Uh, and they wanted to honor one of our Chicano heroes and kind of set the tone and let everybody know that we would, uh, this community uh, looks out for each other and that we would struggle um, to get basically what is due to us already. So if you want to fast forward all the way until 2020, we noticed by watching a city council meeting that they were very quietly trying to pass a redistricting amendment, which was going to split up the West Side Barrios into two. And what this would have the effect of doing would be to disempower the people of the West Side Barrios. No longer would we belong to the same city ward. So basically our votes would, would, uh, would go a lot less further in terms of the city of Tucson and we found that to be completely unacceptable. Uh, the barrios were not notified of this redistricting, and we were very um, we were very upset that we had to find out at the very last minute, uh, and not even because the city reached out to us, only because we were watching the city council meeting and paying attention and seeing exactly what they were trying to do to our community. So it was, it was an attack on our ability as the West Side Barrios to remain a, an important um, community of interest. So what we had to do was go back to organizing the old school way, going door to door. It was very hard to do because it was a pandemic, but we did it. We absolutely let everybody in the Barrios know what was going on. Uh, we have a whole lot of very engaged and um, astute people in our neighborhood that are no strangers to community organizing. We got the word out and let everybody know that the city was trying to split up our, our barrios into two and that we needed to remain one as a community. So we 
put the pressure on the city council by calling their offices, sending emails. We held a press conference, uh, which a lot of Chicanas from the El Rio neighborhood made it very clear that they wanted to remain in the West Side Ward. So basically we ended up getting the city of Tucson uh, to back off on their redistricting plans and we were able to keep our barrios together. Now we've had a lot of success in the past um, organizing and uh, actually getting infrastructure in place in our neighborhood here. So uh, the West Side Barrios are very well known for activism and for being a very engaged community. So we were very happy to be able to, to stay together, but we're going to remain vigilant. So uh, I just wanted to thank you um, Mexicanos 2070 for getting, giving me the opportunity to give you all an update on uh, what is going on here in Tucson and how we were able to organize the community and uh, fight back. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick, for all that information. Another important component is uh, making sure that us's vote is heard and that redistricting work is very important. Our next speaker is Rudolfo Rudy. Gonzalez. He is with Servicios de la Raza in Denver, Colorado. He is a Chicano raised in the Chicano movement in the 1960s. His father is Rudolfo Corque Gonzalez, and he has spent his life for social justice for all. Rudolfo? Hello, everybody. Um, good evening um, across uh, Salon and back. Uh, my name is Rudy Gonzalez. I'm the executive director for Servicios de la Raza, uh, which is the largest Chicano, Chicana founded, uh, Latino, Hispanic, uh, indigenous uh, serving nonprofit in the state of Colorado at this point. Uh, we, are, we were founded uh, 49 years ago in 1972. It was a birth child of the Chicano movement. It was a birth child in that spirit of self-determination of uh, that we can do it and we can determine our own destiny uh, in nationalism in that we, if we don't take care of our problems, then who? And if not now, when? Uh, you know, and when I think about it, you know, my father, uh, April 12th is the 16th anniversary of his passing. And I stand here on his shoulders. I sit here on his shoulders uh, presenting to you all uh, and on the shoulders of our ancestors in the greatness that we come from, uh, the revolutionists, uh, uh, the, the people who struggled, uh, the indigenous uh, you know, men and women, uh, the allies, men and women, uh, hermanos and hermanas that have struggled throughout history with us since 1492. Uh, you know, in, our, in our struggle, our fight is generational. And, you know, um, and I asked my father uh, many years ago why he didn't write our history uh, about the Chicano movement. Because Denver and its little, uh, you know, we were only, uh, we had very small numbers at that time, Colorado being a, uh, not a border state. You know, we had uh, uh, during the time of, uh, that he led in his day in the 60s, 70s and 80s, I mean, we were, uh, uh, Chicanos were 8% of the state and 12% of Denver, where we're now 30% of the state and uh, upwards of 40% of Denver. And then we don't open our doors, right, to be counted uh, for everybody. So we're always undercounted. Uh, so I think there's a lot more of us there uh, uh, around and here and everywhere. 
then we let people know. Uh, but he didn't have those numbers. And yet uh, the incredible work that he did and led and the organization, the Crusade for Justice, um, uh, really set the stage for a Servicio de la Raza to be born. We're again, uh, one of the largest uh, service providers, but we also are at the center with other sister Chicano and Chicano organizations uh, that are pushing forward the advocacy uh, in all areas, social, economic, political, and uh, educational uh, justice, equity, and peace in our barrios across the state for both uh, monolingual Spanish speakers and our native English speaking Chicano Chicanas here. Uh, and, you know, one of those items that stretches 50 years now is, as you see that photo of, uh, that says La Raza Park, right? That's a, a park that was nationalized by young members of the Crusade for Justice uh, at, in 1971. There were three parks in the Chicano Barrios in East, West, and North Denver. East Denver was Curtis Mestizo Park. West Denver was Lincoln that became Aslan Park and now is La Alma Park. And uh, in this North Denver, Northwest Denver, it was Columbus Park, Columbus by all means. And we got rid of that holiday in Colorado where he was born. That just happened also. So that holiday is no longer a state holiday. Uh, Columbus was gotten rid of. Uh, and that was over 50, 25 years of activism by both Chicano indigenous brothers and sisters uh, here in Denver, Colorado, from across Aslan, uh, led by people like Corky Gonzalez and Russell Means, uh, Glenn Morris, American Indian Movement in Denver, uh, also uh, Escuela Tlatelolco, the school that was started in 1970 and went 47 years. You know, so La Raza Park spans that 50 years. Well, guess just in, uh, we now have a strong city council with multiple Latina city, of council, city council women. Plus, we have a very strong uh, state representative uh, and Senate with 14 Latinos and Latinas with very strong Latinas uh, leadership in, in the Senate and the representatives. And they all supported getting this name changed. And it's been a 50 year fight. So don't give up the fight. We can do it. Si se puede. Y hasta la victoria siempre. Uh, we will do it. We, it is La Raza Park now. Uh, it is called Cultural Preservation. Uh, preservation. Uh, we're going to continue to preserve and not just preserve, but perpetuate our culture, our history, our heritage, our beauty as a people. And uh, que viva la raza. And on this day of Cesar Chavez, Presente, Rodolfo Corky Gonzalez, presente, my mother, whose birthday was yesterday and passed in July, presente, Jolene Gonzalez, presente, que viva la raza. Gracias, gracias, uh, Rudy. Um, as I'm sitting here listening to you and thinking about the Crusade for Justice, uh, the impact that your father has had on the Chicano movement, uh, I recalled a a poem that my husband wrote for your father uh, years ago. I'll have to share with you and maybe we can post it on uh, uh, Mexicanos 2070. Thank you, Tonacine. I'll wait for it. Our next speaker is Tanya Celeste Villalobos, a young Chicana with Partido Nacional de la Raza. 
She resides in Southern California and is a community organizer advocating for international solidarity among oppressed nations. Her path to activism started while she was a youth. And like um, Rafael has said, and Sol and many of our other speakers, we are counting on our youth and she has risen to the uh, challenge to begin her trip in terms of um, advocating for herself and for Rasa. Gracias, Tonatzin, and everyone here. Uh, my, my name is Tanya, and I will be speaking as a youth. I have spent the last few years organizing in solidarity movements, including organizations, uh, including Filipino organizations, and I was in a Filipino youth organization called Anakbayan USA. In my time, I felt very frustrated because I, <clears throat> I saw the power of the movements of our comrades and these youth organizations. But the time, but at that time, I felt a longing to see the same power in the Chicano youth. And at the time, I was also living in New York City. I would see raza that would end up exploited, so exploited that they would end up passed out on the street from drinking themselves to unconsciousness. And people would just walk over them as if this was normal. And this is how our people would deal with the conditions of overexploitation and conditions that were plaguing Rasa every day in New York City. The wage theft in New York City was also primarily affecting Rasa, as well as every time you would step inside a of a restaurant, you could almost assure yourself that you would find Rasa working in the kitchen being exploited and most likely facing wage theft. I think I found myself feeling so much frustration and anger that I fell into a deep depression and I feel that it was because I was missing this movement. And I was missing this part of the struggle. <clears throat> I was foolish and closed-minded thinking that because I didn't know that it couldn't exist. So I thought that there couldn't possibly be a movement for our people, for our youth, but that frustration and that anger and emptiness led me to look for it. And that's when I started looking um, for the movement. And uh, so I found um, Ernesto and La Raza Unida. Um, and then I just began asking questions um, and that's basically how I'm here today, and I couldn't be more thankful. Um, and I learned that um, not only is the Chicano movement still going strong to this day, <clears throat> but it's powerful and um, and it's been going on for decades and that it's gone through like changes and, there, and that it's been resilient. Um, and then also this summer, I went to the 50th Chicano Moratorium and I learned the history. <clears throat> and I uh, met the family of a Chicanito who was murdered on an army base and the army covered it up and he was not even 18 years old. Um, we also met the families of, of, um, of, we also met the families who lost children to police murder. So now that I found this movement, all I find myself wanting to do is trying to bring other youth into this movement and telling them that this exists and that they should join. Um, so our youth are the future. And how many more years do we want to keep living under these conditions of imperialism, capitalism, and colonialism, and all the things that come with that? We have to live with police terrorism, and poverty, and addiction, and suicide, and war, and no sense of self, and mental illness, and self-harm, <clears throat> and disease, and homelessness, and having our children in cages, and the tricking and manipulation of having our children join these imperialist armies, and the list just keeps going on. And if we let them, the enemy will leave no world for our youth and next generations to live in. And that's why we as youth need to get involved and tell everyone we know, from our siblings to our friends, to our cousins, neighbors, classmates, everyone, 
because we need a mass movement to fight this together. Thank you so much. Gracias, Tanya. Great message for all of our youth. Um, that's when I began um, my personal experience in terms of uh, developing our self-pride and so forth. And it's on us to do that. I think every single speaker has spoken to that. And we all share that same message that there are others that feel have those same feelings and we're sharing that today. The next person we have is a poet, uh, Vanessa Mason. She is a second generation Chicana. Her focus is her art, her culture, and her community. Vanessa? Buenas tardes from San Diego. I'm Vanessa. Um, soy Chicana, I'm proud of it, and I'll get right into my poems. My first one is Little Brown Girl. Little brown girl, skin kissed bronze by the sun, hair as dark as the night sky, eyes del mismo color de chocolate, upon your forehead, a nopal, sangre rich with the history of our ancestors, your lineage sustained by resilience. Do you not know your power? Step into it, remember, the wisdom of Mother Earth is yours. It lives within, it slumbers. Awaken, rise, little brown girl, chaparra magica. Do not be afraid, you are never alone. Know yourself and you will know peace. Know your truth and you will discover more clearly your path. Little brown girl, your future is abundant. It is purposeful. You are loved. You are blessed. Carry this with you always, little brown girl. And my next one is uh, Para la Chicana. Oops. Uh, Chicana is not a dirty word. I am not small. I can handle my own. I navigate two cultures one given to me by birth and the other by blood. Chicana is not a dirty word. My brown skin ain't nothing to mess with. It signifies my indigenous roots. It calls honor to my ancestors, to my community, mi familia. It breathes strong with history, with legacy. Chicana is not a dirty word, nosotras, Somos fuertes. We are resilient. Our beauty is renowned. Chicana is not a dirty word. So now perhaps you all can see that Chicana is not a dirty word. Chicana is me. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, que viva la raza. Thank you. Ah. Gracias, Vanessa. I have so enjoyed all these speakers. I hope everyone is enjoying them and learning um, from our speakers, our poets. Uh, everyone has been inspirational, inspirational on all different levels. Um, we have now our final speaker, which is Ernesto Ayala. He is with Partido Nacional de la Raza, the La Raza Unida Party, with Mexicanos, Mexicanos 2070, 
and Telejaguar. He resides in Southern California. He has been involved in Chicano politics since his youth. His father was one of the, uh, was the chair of uh, the original Arasunita party. And he is an avid community organizer. Ernesto? Gracias, buenas tardes, Russell. Well, as you have seen here, our presenters span a wide range of our people, la raza, from woman to man, younger and older. Our presenters are from different organizations and live in different areas of what we call Aztlan. We conceived of this program as an effort to begin thinking of ourselves as one unit, a community, a nation, that wherever we may be in our respective areas and our barrios, what we do there not only affects those of us locally, but it affects and has an impact on us nationally. As Chicanos and as La Raza, we are 40 million and growing, a mass of working people that predates the United States, a mass of people that despite, despite America's heavy reliance on our land and our labor goes virtually unknown and erased, not only from the general's, general public's mind, but sadly that of our own. The consequences of both being erased and yet such an immense population has drastic negative implications and effects on us and to our healthy survival and development as is necessary for any single human group. We're not asking for anything that's out of, out of place. There are more Chicanos Mexicanos than all of the population of Canada. There are more Chicanos Mexicanos than the entire population of Australia. The top two GDP producing states in the United States are one, California, and two, Texas, both historically Chicano-Mexicano states. In 2018, the total GDP put out by Latinos in the United States was $2.8 trillion, easily placing us at eighth place among the nations of the entire world were we to master our own destiny, Raza. This would put us above Italy, Brazil, and South Korea. And in the same year, it was calculated that not only were we the eighth top world uh, GDP, but our economic growth rate was third worldwide. That's us here in Aslan, La Raza, right below the massive Chinese and Indian economies. Hopefully these statistics will put into light a little more of what we are attempting to spark in the minds of our people, of La Raza. It should put into a different light those more than 40 million people that America continuously ignores but depends on for life. That paletero, that laborer, that vato being arrested, that Chicana giving birth, those beautiful brown Chicanitas and Chicanitos that we drop off and pick up from school day in and day out should come into a clearer understanding of our potential as a people, as a nation. What in essence we aim to do with this program, therefore, is reflect, reflect upon ourselves to take a deep look in the mirror and see us for who we are now. Because only by doing that will we come to a consensus and move forward and no longer be in the state of paralysis and shame, but rather return to our timeline, our own consciousness, our history. If you know of anyone you think that deserves greater recognition, whether an individual or organization in your barrio, let us know. Stay in touch. Gracias. Que viva la raza y que viva Aslan Libre. That wraps up the Aslan Report for 2021.
I want to thank each of the speakers, the poets, and I especially want to thank you for joining into the Exelon Report. If you are interested in joining or learning about any of these groups, their information is provided in the presenter's bios. Or if you belong to a group and would like to join in this collaborative effort moving forward, please contact Mexicanos 2070. As you can see, we have presented a multi there are a multitude of efforts throughout the country focusing on issues of justice, police brutality, voting and redistricting, social justice, and education. If you are not involved, please get involved. Don't forget, there now exists a free Chicano college. Any place in the nation to, to keep Chicano studies, ethnic studies in the public institutions, it has taken years to achieve and it will take all of us to oppose the decimation of all those achievements. As Lupe said, nothing about us without us is for us. And that is what we need to maintain. This is us driving this movement. Again, gracias, que viva Atzlan, que viva la raza, y que viva la chicanada. Thank you. Que viva. Que viva. Que viva. Que viva. Que viva. All right, the, li the live stream has stopped. Y'all, that was that was phenomenal. That was beautiful. I, I, don't think, I, I don't think anybody's seen anything like that in a while. That was pretty good. Yeah. I've yeah. never seen anything like that. Yeah. That, that was that was something else. Wow. We did it, Rasa. We did it. Hey, take a screenshot. You can take a screenshot. I know, huh? Somebody take one, por favor. I'll take one. Se aventaron compas y compas. I know okay. a lot of you, but um, wow, I was impressed by all of you. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was really good. I'm so proud and uh, very thankful, Todd, that you asked me to emcee this. Um, it was an you honor. Awesome. Humbled by it. Well, it glad to see that you. everyone is uh, still working. You make sure and, and tell Apache that that all we all we were doing when we conceived of this was building off his idea from many many years ago. <laughs> so. He's here watching. He's Is right he? here next to me. I had to make him be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. I, I got to go. Can't you. Say anything. Do a picture real quick. Let's do okay. Okay. Oops, somebody got off. Who got off? Okay. Um, On one, so two, and... No, Sol's here. I'm going to do another one because there's always somebody that has it right. <laughs> okay, one more. Okay, got it. I'll share it with um, I'll share it with Ernesto Todd. Okay. For you to share with everybody. Okay. okay. 